Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. My patient today is Jenny Rosenstrack. She is the New York Times bestselling author of Dinner, A Love Story, which is also a website and a substack. I'm a subscriber and a big fan. And she is the author of a brand new cookbook called The Weekday Vegetarians, which has just hit number three on the New York Times bestseller list. In today's session, I asked Jenny how she and her husband decide who's going to cook what. We've been married for so long and we've known each other for so long that it's just like we don't even have to discuss it. How she decided to become a food writer. I remember thinking like, I want to do something with food. But I was like too embarrassed to say because it, it just felt like I, who who's, like makes a career in food. And how she sets boundaries about what she shares online. People would always say to me like, oh my God, you have this like perfect life. Like everything is so great. And it's because like a lot of the stuff that's hard to that you're dealing with, you don't feel comfortable sharing with complete strangers. All right. Well, before we get to the episode, I just want to let you know we had some technical glitches. So you'll hear just little weird parts where it feels like it gets cut off and then something gets pushed together. That's just because I cut out the blips. All right. Well, without further ado, here is my lunch therapy session with Jenny Rosenstrack. Okay. Well, Jenny, it's so nice to finally meet you. So nice to meet you. Yeah. I feel like we're both food bloggers from way back, right? I mean, when did you start your blog? Um, 2010, March of 2010. Okay. And then, yeah. And I think I, even then I was like, man, this blog thing is over. I don't know why <laughs> I'm starting. <laughs> yeah. That was a later, I mean, I was 2004, not to brag. So I was like, wow, really early, early, but I mean, I yours, I remember when yours came, I mean, it really caught fire pretty quickly. I feel like you had the form down perfect when you started. Like I, when I started was like, not sure what I was doing. I was using like flash pictures. I was like, Oh, I mean, that's very nice of you to say, but I can't yeah. even look look at what I used to write like back then. I've It's so hard. To, <laughs> it is to funny. Yeah, it is like, cringy to like read my old posts. So I don't do it either. <laughs> well, I wanted to congratulate you. I just got in the mail your new cookbook, The Weekday Vegetarians, which I'm holding up for people who can't see, which is everybody. Uh, <laughs> and um, I just saw on your Instagram that it's number three on the bestseller list. Congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm sh- truly shocked and delighted. So thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about the genesis of the book? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just like everyone else in the world. We were trying to figure out ways to eat less meat and uh, for all kinds of reasons, not any one in particular, but, you know, obviously climate change is a big one. Um, our health, you know, we're not getting any younger. We're watching our parents get older. We're in that stage where, you know, my in-laws are not doing great. My parents are getting older and it's top of mind. Like, how do we stay healthy or how do we, you know, how do we try to stay as healthy as we can, even though Mm -hmm. we know that's not everything. But um, so uh, the other big piece of the puzzle was that my kids, you know, I've been my kids are now in college as of a week ago. I have no kids in my house. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. Which is which is a whole nother story. But <laughs> but at the time of the genesis of this book, they were coming home. You know, you've heard about this generation. They were coming home from school saying, you know, like, why are we eating so much meat? Mm. Like, do you know how much good we can do like to individually? It's like the most important thing we can do to help con- combat climate change. Can uh-huh. we please eat less meat. And, you know, that's a, that's a big deal when you have your kids on board with that it really makes it easy and it also is motivating you know I've been trying to do that for so long um it just was in the atmosphere you know like the Ottolenghi books were out and vegetables were just like the superstars suddenly and yeah and so it was just at that moment you know I just remember 
I say this in the book, but I just texted my husband, Andy, who's um, also a cook, um, not not by profession, but he likes to cook. Um, and I just texted him, we need to eat less meat. Like, how do we do this? And we had done this thing with drinking um, where we were just like kind of getting into this habit of like having a cocktail every night. And then we kind of had the same realization like a couple of years before that saying like, maybe we should try to save that for the weekends and just make it like special. And mm -hmm. we successfully did that. And so we just applied that same formula to uh, meat. And so <laughs> we just figured, you know, we would try it. And um, it turned out it was a really smart way to do it because it wasn't um, it wasn't so painful to just say goodbye to some of the meals that we've, you know, honestly, we really, they're sentimental dishes and mm -hmm. recipes that are associated with my child, with my kids' childhood, with great grandparents, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia. So, so do you make those on the weekends now, those dishes? <laughs> yeah. We also, you know, don't, don't tell uh, the gossip pages, but we also do it on the weekdays. But the point is like, Oh, wow. You're exposed in this podcast. Now this is going to go viral. Great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, but the point is like, we, it's a guideline. And the, initially we were like Monday to Friday, yeah. legit weekday vegetarians. And now it's just, we are, we are just plant-based more, way more often than we're not. That's kind of yeah. where we fell back on because it's not like, you know, we'll go to someone's house on a Tuesday and they're not, if, you know, they know we're not strict vegetarian. So if there's chicken or whatever, we're not going to not eat that. Um, and we're happy to eat it obviously, but um, yeah. So. In, in terms of like satisfaction, though, it's funny. I feel like my husband is very like a Wendy's commercial in the sense of like, where's the beef? Yeah. Uh, but, but he doesn't say like, where's the not beef? The only he, one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's more like, where's the protein? Like to him, a dinner is not a dinner unless there's protein. So he likes tofu. He likes beans. Like he likes all that stuff. But often, like if I'm coming home from the farmer's market and I just have like broccoli or I have tomatoes or corn, like if I don't have a protein ready to go, like he won't yeah. think of it as dinner unless it's pasta, which he doesn't love. So it's tricky. Yeah, I was I was just gonna ask you, like, have you ever had pasta for dinner or have oh, you yeah, all the time? Oh my god, I make pasta. Had, yeah. Yeah. But like pizza, has he does he like pizza? Like yeah, to me, he loves all that. But I feel yeah. like we live in LA where everyone's very like body conscious. Not that we are yeah, by any means, right. but like protein is like all the yeah. rage when you're, I know, I know. And when I was things. when I was coming up with ideas for this book, those voices were in my head just because so many people when I announced the book were said some some version of um please let this not be another vegetarian book where it's all just like you're compensating with cheese mm -hmm. and carbs. And I totally knew what they were, you know, that, that was the big issue for me too. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so there's a, there, you know, at the same time you're like cooking for kids, right? So you have to balance that with like these kids who are like growing teenagers who have sports and they're voracious and they're not going to be content with just like a, you know, like a tofu bowl with green beans. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we would be, so it's like the book is addressing all of that. There's something kind of for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's, it's tricky. It's, I'm not going to say this solves every problem, but it comes, it, it, it tried to address that very, very um, acutely. Well, in terms of how you feel, I mean, I feel like when I eat more of a vegetarian diet, I feel lighter. I feel better. I feel like meat can be like really heavy in your system. So I'm curious, yeah. like when you were writing this book and you were testing all these recipes, did it change how you felt physically? I mean, you know, people keep asking me that and I'm not sure how to answer because yes, like, of course, but I also kind of felt like, um, obviously all foods are healthy in certain ways. I mean, sure. if, as long as you like eat them in moderation and, um, 
yeah, I mean, I felt good when there are recipes in this book that are like, you know, there's like a mac and cheese in this that's it's made with chickpea pasta. So there's like a yeah. pro, there's protein for for your husband um, <laughs> and with like a chopped tomato salad. But like that's that's not the kind of meal that I'm going to walk away feeling like virtuous about. Um, but at the same time, like a lot of the reason why I wrote this book was so that I could work more vegetables into my diet, not just not eat meat, but like actually really enjoy vegetables. And because I love vegetables. And so when there's a whole section in this book called um, small plates night, um, not something I invented, obviously, but it's like, (laughs) it really takes advantage of like that idea of like when you come home from the farmer's market with your tomatoes and whatever, and what you're not really sure what to do with it. You, what I just do is make a ton of little salads and then, there's like a section where you can like add a protein, whether that's lentils or eggs or tofu. Um, And when I eat like that, which is like pretty much from like spring through the fall when Mm -hmm. vegetables are amazing, I feel great. Like I really, I'm not as like, I don't have that like calling for like the really like rich comfort foods of fall. Right. You're constantly grazing a little bit or you have a little, yeah, that's really healthy. So how do you think your cooking will change with the kids out of the home? Oh my God. I'm so, you know, this is 72 hours old. So ask me. In wow. few, but, we just but, watched a movie yeah. called Brad status. I don't know if you've seen it with Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. He's like no. taking his kid to college for the, for the first time. It's really good. I'd check, I I'd should, check wait, it out. What's it called? Brad, Brad status. status. It's, it's by Mike white who just did the white Lotus. Yeah. We just, we're down a Mike white rabbit hole right now. Yeah. So watch it. <laughs> nobody, nobody saw it, but it's really good. Anyway, it will res- okay. resonate for you, but keep going. Yeah. I want to hear this. Yeah. No. Um, well, first, for starters, um, I've been writing about this a lot, but my kids do not like eggs and I am an Olympic level egg lover. Like, I just don't know how these two girls came from me because I mean, I just, I go through a whole carton on my own. And so I've never had them at my disposal for dinner. So there's a lot more eggs in the rotation now. That's one way I know things are going to change. Um, it's also, you know, this is a bad thing. We're just fine. I mean, we're keep in mind, we're only like three days into this, but since we're both kind of working from home and there's not like the structure of the day, you know, you, that was usually informed by their schedules and when they were coming and going and when we were going to eat and get them out the door and this, now it's just like this blob of like, <laughs> oh, we're just going to work all the time. And so we, just, and you know, we're both home sitting at the dining room table and yesterday we were like oh my god the, it's dark like maybe <laughs> we should probably make some dinner um so yeah so that's that's um we have to work on that but uh i don't think it will be hard at all but that was just something i noticed yesterday it was funny well you seem like a perfect candidate right now in your life for lunch therapy which we're about to begin so i, I will wait. ask you jenny what did you have for lunch today oh man i had um i had leftover dinner from last night um, which was like a basic um, crispy tofu that's like a dredged in cornstarch kind of tofu that you're that you toss with like a it was like a um, Vietnamese inspired sauce. It was like mm-hmm. from you know Andrea Nguyen's book um, Vietnamese Any Day. She has a great like little drizzle sauce that's like oyster sauce and soy sauce and fish sauce it's just like kind of perfect for everything so that with like vegetables that were left over we um yeah so we had like you know again this is also something that's changing like we have to get used to the amounts that we're cooking we're used Mm -hmm. to cooking for two athletes you know at the table and now it's just us so we had leftovers which was (laughs) very exciting so that's what i had for lunch today Great. Well, I mean, the first thing I'm I'm wondering about is the link between like cooking for work 
versus like cooking for yourself versus cooking for your kids? Cause you do so many things and I'm wondering like, how do you separate all those things out or do they all sort of overlap? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, they kind of do all overlap. I don't really like, I never wake up and say, okay, today I have to develop three recipes for one for the blog, one for the book, one for the newsletter. But, you know, it just, it's actually 100% informed by just how I go about my day cooking for my family. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think the reason why that works is because I'm just always like, you know, just like any human, I'm always, my tastes are always changing and I'm always, I'm very interested in food and food personalities and people. So I'm always following them and getting ideas. So I kind of always have I new ideas. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but like pretty much it all kind of blurs together. Like the, the worst thing that happens is when I'll make something and realize it's original. That's like, mm -hmm. oh, this is probably something that I could run tomorrow in the newsletter. And then then I have to like write it down after I've made it. And, and the worst is when I just can't quite get it right. And then I have to make it over again. You know? uh, okay. I don't, that's like, I really don't like doing that, but, um, but I do do it if I just don't think it's, it's right. But for the most part, I've kind of mastered the art of like the post-mortem mm -hmm. recipe. That's writing. literally how I've always done it. Cause it's so authentic. Cause it's like, you're not pretending to make something that you're not really that enthusiastic yeah. about, like you genuinely are making this and then telling people about it. So yes, I totally yes. get that. Yeah. And also like, it, like sometimes I get around the, like the people who would might, who might be like a little, um, confused by the, like who just, who, there, you know, there are a lot of people who want exact measurements and exact instructions, mm -hmm. a lot of people. And so, um, I usually get around that by, you know, saying like a few glugs of olive oil yes. or, or whatever, which is not an exact measurement, of course, but, um, but yeah, I hope that that satisfies them, but it seems to be working. So. Oh yeah, I do that. I do that too. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. Cause I feel like people who don't like that don't trust themselves as cooks and they want to yeah. be able to blame a recipe. They want to be able to say, I didn't do anything wrong. I followed this recipe <laughs> and it's too salty as opposed to like, Oh, I should have tasted this and should right. have adjusted it. You right. know? So I think that's about not wanting to take on the responsibility themselves, but that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think, I feel like the elephant in the room here in terms of like the psychological element of your lunch is, is what mm -hmm. you were talking about, about your kids going away. And I'm curious if you could talk a little mm -hmm. bit about, being a food person and raising your children in a house with food, like what, what, what were your attitudes about cooking as they grew up and how, how did you deal with all of that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they were just, they, they really are really good eaters. Um, they've gone in and out of phases, you know, um, I have my, believe it or not, my youngest, Abby, she, she was born underweight um, and she had to be tube fed when she was little because she just wasn't gaining weight fast enough. She had, you know, the diagnosis was failure to thrive and we did a full workup on her and she was tube fed and it was kind of a, um, obviously very stressful time. Mm -hmm. And it was determined that she was just like, she was metabolically, everything was working. Like when they, when they fed her, she gained weight. So they were just like, you just need to get her to eat. That's like the, that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. She was like 18 months. And they just said, she's just too interested in too many things like in the world. She just won't sit down, which is so funny because it is exactly sort of what she's like now. And mm -hmm. it was a very funny diagnosis that we bring up all the time, but you know, fast forward 18 years and she is the best eater in the house and the best <laughs> just she she was actually the engine behind this book like she just had so many ideas 
um, mm -hmm. about how to make recipes good. And she would just come down stairs. Like she was also online for school all of last year in high school. So before they, before they went, got into this whole like earth, um, save the earth, like uh -huh. eat vegetarian thing, like when they were younger kids and you were cooking, were they more into like comfort foods, like mac and cheese and all that stuff? I mean, was that what you were making? Yeah, I was, well, I mean, I made that. But my, believe it or not, my older daughter, Phoebe, doesn't eat pasta. So there were not a lot of pastas in the rotation. Um, it was, it's a lot of chicken. I would say that it was like the, the, the thing we had the most were just like, we would make like um, this, I would put a fleet of chicken thighs on a baking sheet, um, you know, then stir some, like mash some butter with um, mustard mm -hmm. and, um Oh, God, it's been so long since I made this. And, th and then you just like smear it on the chicken thighs and then press in breadcrumbs. And it's just like a classic, you know, like breaded mustard baked good. chicken. I feel it's like so yeah. good. I feel like I, I, Suzanne Goyne has something like that in maybe one of her books. Uh, where it's yeah, like, I like mean, a yeah, it's so I didn't good. invent it at all. No, 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 I know. I, I think know. I made it a long time ago. But wait, I was going to ask you so, as your kids go off to college, are they carrying on your traditions like in their new lives? Like, do they cook? They, that's so I'm so glad you asked that because Phoebe, who's um, she was last year a freshman in college and she was lucky enough to be on campus, but she, everything was um, she, none of the classes were um, in person. So she had she was in her room taking classes and in her room, like instead of being she's a runner. So she was not really practicing. The season was canceled. So the only kind of way that she, that she really connected was or not the only way, but one of the ways that she could rely on um connecting with people was family dinner which she organized like just with a group of her friends they just like decided every night they would have dinner together Aww. and she you know she was i think she really it, it that just you know you, you can imagine <laughs> i just like my heart just like oh uh, well it's up. funny because i feel like that generation grew up with food as like a thing and i feel yeah. like when i grew up food wasn't a thing it wasn't like food network bon no. appetit all that stuff like yeah. it wasn't around i mean it was around but like that nobody was watching it so I feel like this newer yeah. generation is like spoiled by all of this amazing food content out there especially oh my the God. one their mother they're, was making yeah yeah they're so used to it it's crazy like my daughter what I was about to tell you before was that my daughter who was at home would come downstairs every day um during high school classes like at eleven forty nine, like on the dot and she would just say like I'm gonna make an elaborate lunch now like, or <laughs> or it would be like can you make me an elaborate lunch now? like she was just very into the whole like you know big like European pasta like big lunch thing and then she Love would just that. Like, pass out for the rest of the afternoon <laughs> but um did you guys um weigh in on each other's food like would your kids give you feedback on the food you were making for your work and stuff and would they yeah, yeah get your feedback too and how did that go I mean, you know, mostly it went okay, but um, it was tough with this book, I will say in the beginning, because they really didn't, you know, as I said, they don't like eggs. One of them doesn't like pasta. Um, they were very reluctant to embrace tofu. Um, and so I had to, you know, it was kind of a bumpy road, but the to they eventually like came around to tofu, which is good. The, the key, of course, is to like fry it, but um, mm -hmm. uh, that's fine. I'll take it. And um <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, and then they loved, like, the the big breakthrough was uh, chickpeas. Like, we, once we learned how to, again, fry it, like, just to make them really crispy and then add, like, smoked paprika and mm -hmm. cayenne and garlic salt or whatever, um, just make them, like, really flavorful and spicy. That was, like, kind of our new chicken where we just, like, added it to salads and, like, put it in tacos and, um, 
there's a chickpea Caesar salad recipe in the book that's um, Abby's favorite. That looks really good. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I love really that. Good. It's so good. I was going to ask you about your lunch. I mean, I feel like I'm fixating <laughs> on your children. So let's go back to you for a second. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> but you talked about being so busy and being at the table. And I'm <laughs> curious, like, you know, have you always been a busy person? Like, have you always been keeping yourself no. busy with a lot of projects? I mean, the- yes, yes, yes. But like, I'm also, I, I would say this like stretch here, I'm busier than usual just because my book just came out. So yeah. there's just a lot of, um, you know, like just maintenance um, with that. For the most part, I can't really, I don't really work past three o'clock just because I'm, um, I just, I don't know. I think it's because I'm so used to just like, I was so used to for so long, just like picking up the girls at the school bus or mm-hmm. at school. So my brain just like shut off. But but yeah, from like 8.30 to that point, like I'm pretty, I'm, 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 I'm doing work. I'm, I'm usually just sitting in one place at staring at my computer, but I'm, or in the <laughs> kitchen, you know, like working on something, but, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not crazy busy. I'm not overwhelmed. Like it's right. not, it's, it used to be that way when I first started, like, cause I just couldn't, I had no boundaries and I just wanted to work all the time. And, um, and like right now I feel that way just cause it's exciting, exciting. And I'm running on adrenaline cause of the book. Yeah. And, but, but like, no, for the most part, I, I'm, I'm kind of lazy. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious for those who are your fans of yours. I mean, can you walk us through a typical day of, you know, dinner, a love story and how you do sure. all the things that you do? Yeah. I mean, it's really going to be the most boring, like three, <laughs> three, 30 seconds of your life here. But, I don't um, think so. I mean, I, I am pretty regimented. I will say like, I'll, I almost always, I mean, like I'll run in the morning, like for exercise. Um, and, I mean, you're going to think I'm really crazy, but like Tuesdays, Thursdays, and like usually one day of the weekend I'll run. And then because of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I have this online gym class that I do at noon. So like the whole, my whole kind of day is informed around those two things. And That's I don't want to say that I do, That's I healthy. Do, yeah, it's healthy, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say I do that every single week, but for the most right. part, I would say of those six days exercising, I'll, I'm never less than four days exercising, but that's, that's like a general framework. Of, the pandemic of- ruined me for exercise because I was going to a gym. I was so good about it, but then I got nervous with COVID and breakthrough COVID and I didn't like wearing a mask. So I just canceled my membership and I'm just letting myself go. No, you know what? You you should join my online gym class. I'm not kidding. So okay. Amazing. And what's it called? It's, it's all online. It's It was the gym I went to before. Oh, um, okay. Before we'll the- talk about it later. I don't want people like jumping, you know, stalking you on your online gym class. But. I'm totally sending you that information though it's really fun great Um, okay I mean it's not fun it's awful but it's still it's good good to do it but anyway okay so that like it depends whatever day of the week you know um it is based on my exercising like I'll just I'll I'll always have coffee like and I don't make my own coffee usually um I usually like to go out um to just a local coffee shop just because it's I'm just staring at my computer at home so much that I just really will use any excuse to get myself out. Um, Now, just to ask, I don't mean to interrupt the flow, but when you you talked a lot about like staring at your computer, being at your computer, but is this, is this all food writing that you're doing at your computer? Yeah. For the most part. I mean, I write about other things too, but um, no, I would say 80% of it, 90% of it is food writing. So you're like working Um, the language or you're working. I mean, I mean, just imagine I'm trying to get into like, I have like, okay. So again, I'm very routinized. Like Mondays, my newsletter goes out. Right. Um, Thursday, my newsletter goes out. Same here. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And then Wednesday I have a column um, in cup of Joe. um, Uh So she's like, that's just so fun to work on um and then I always have some like 
um, freelance assignments on top of that. So I have to kind of balance that out. Um, and I it's just, I'm like the worst procrastinator. So when I say I'm staring at my screen working, like it's not even <laughs> like, you know, like I have a 750 word story due like three days ago. And I've just been like, you know, checking my, my Instagram and check, yes. like I call that working, but it's scary, staring at us. You and I are kindred <laughs> spirits. I don't have three children, but I do like cook the way you do. I do my sub stack the way you Aww. do. And I go through my life the way that you do, except for the I'm exercise so too. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> so I'm going to get you. I'm going to help you into that. So <laughs> we're living parallel lives. Yeah. Okay. So you work at your computer and then what happens? Um, the other thing is um, one or two times a week, I go to my works my work share space, which mm-hmm. is where I'm recording this interview from. And that's really great because it's like a local network. Um, I live in a small town I'm surrounded by other small towns and um, we're, it's right on the Hudson river. And like, it's just like the, the office space is gorgeous and just like so many people coming in and out and it's just fun. I don't even really need to be here, but I just like the interactions mm-hmm. with people. I miss that so much from when I was working full time, um, like at a magazine. And I miss that, you know, working with cup of, Joe, that website I was just telling you about, I mm-hmm. used to go to Brooklyn yeah. to work on that. And so that I'm not doing that anymore. So I just, that, I love that. Um, it's really more for my mental health than anything else. Oh yeah. We're exactly in the same, but I mean, I used to go to a coffee shop all the time to write. Yeah. And COVID kind of took that out of me because I guess I don't need all that like $7 coffee, like every day, you know, so I was sort of just like, yeah. I guess I could work from home. So I've just been home with my dog and my husband in the back room, even though we can go out now and wear our masks. It's just, I it's don't It's hard to get back into that, like to that. I, I just, I, it's hard to exercise those muscles again after like not using them for so long. My but it's healthy to get yeah. into the, be in the world. So I think that's great that you're doing that. Yeah. So when no, does like, the, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, when does the cooking start? Um, the cooking starts usually at like 6.30, 6.45. I mean, we're so good at like making fast dinners now that like we came home from the airport after dropping off my daughter in college. I always like look at the clock. I'm like, oh, it's 7.23. And we were literally eating at 7.41. Like it, and a, wow. it was a good dinner too. It was like, so it was- What was it? What did you make when you dropped your daughter off at college? What was the um, meal? Well, she, we, she was gone. It, like, so it was just that it was just the two of us on our first night home. There's like the, so there's this one person on Instagram or someone who reads my newsletter. I can't remember. She said, she said, you would love the Otto Lange, like charred tomato recipe. It's like a absolute like crowd pleaser at every party I make it. And it was like, it's charred, roasted charred cherry tomatoes um, with freezing cold yogurt like underneath mm, it yeah. and the, the way and, it, and the roasted tomatoes they have like brown sugar and oregano and cumin seeds which is like that was that's kind of like the magic ingredient somehow mm-hmm. but then I added chickpeas to the other side of the baking dish this time so I had chickpeas and the tomatoes and I put that on yogurt um, and I blasted it because oh the other thing is I have this great new smart oven so I can turn the oven on so I was like coming home from the airport. And so it was at like 4.50 before I even walked in the <laughs> Wait, door. Wait, from so. your phone, you could turn your oven yes, on? Yes, yes. Wow, that's crazy. It's amazing, yes. I ha- It's called like, I, I, you're not going to ask me the brand. And I, it's, I think it's a GE. I mean, I think they all kind of have them. They're the smart smart ovens or whatever. But yeah, I'm not a gadget person at all, but that I love. So It's funny because yeah. I, w- I wouldn't have thought of like, why is that useful? But then it's like, oh yeah, you're coming home. You need to preheat your oven. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like, it would have taken me that long to preheat my oven. Mm-hmm. Like as long as it took for me to cook it, you know? So, so how do your husband, cause you said your husband cooks too. So how do you mm-hmm. negotiate like who gets to choose the meal? Like who's in charge, who's not in charge, <laughs> or is it always a collaboration? Um, it's kind of, 
I don't even, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but we are just, we've <laughs> been married for so long and we've known each other for so long that it's just like, we don't even have to discuss it. It's just like, there are certain things that like, I know, like last night with the tofu, that breaded tofu, he's like, not bread, uh, crispy. The, it's like dredged in cornstarch, that mm-hmm. tofu, to make it crispy. He's like mastered this like frying technique, whereas I'm like, I'm just so impatient. I do it like quickly. And, and he needs like, if it's tofu, he needs it to be like perfect. So uh-huh. I let him do that, which is fine. And we used to have this rule that was like, if you make it, you own it, you know, like if you discover a recipe and it's like really good for them, then, then it's your, you, you own it for the rest <laughs> of your life, you know, like you have to make it. So we have, we definitely have like a whole lineup of those, but, but yeah, for the most part, like when we were eating meat most of the time, he was like, you know, just like, sorry to be so stereotypical, but he was like the guy making the meat and I was mm-hmm. usually making all the salads and um, not always, but most of the time. So that makes me um, think of that. Have you ever seen Big Night, the movie Big Night? Yeah, I love that, that movie. The end, like the end of that movie where it's like Tony Shalhoub and Stanley mm-hmm. Tucci are just in the kitchen and like they make an omelet, but it's all silent. It's like one of them gets oh. the eggs and like one of them gets the pan and one of them starts melting the butter. And it's just trying to show that their relationship is just, they don't even need to talk anyway. So it yeah, makes me think uh, of that. That makes Although, sense. I'm going to have to rewatch that scene. That's so, that's so sweet. Yeah, I forgot well, about that. Well, we haven't done yet with you, mm-hmm. which is like classic therapy technique is to like, <laughs> you know, switch back to your childhood and growing up. And, you know, <laughs> what, what kind of food did you eat as a kid? Where did you grow up? What was that like? Oh man. Um, I grew up not far from where I live now um, in Westchester. I grew up in Larchmont, New York, um, okay. which is north of New York on the Long Island Sound. My parents are still there. My sister is still there. Uh, my brother, my twin brother, he's in the city, but so we're all like right here. Um, but yeah, we grew up like my mom is um, a lawyer. She went to law school when I was in fourth grade and wow. like worked, like became partner at her own firm by like the time I was in 10th grade. She's still working today. She's 85 years old. She'll be so mad. As a lawyer? Really? Yeah, as a lawyer. She's incredible. Um, she works way harder, way harder than me. Like it's crazy. What and, kind of law does she do? just like real estate and wills. Um, yeah, she's the opposite of me. She has so much like patience and um, um, she can just like power through a, you know, like a 500 page document, like single spaced with like all that legalese. <laughs> like it's like, it's a John Grisham novel. It's crazy. But she's, did she um, want you, did she want you to be a lawyer when you were growing up? No, I don't think so. She, you know, they didn't like my parents didn't do that. They weren't like, I think you, like my, my mom was kind of like, you would be a great eye surgeon because you're so good with your hands, like things like yeah. that, but like nothing for real. Like My parents uh, pushed me and I did go to law school and I got mm-hmm. a law degree that I never used, but that's where I learned how to cook. And that's oh. why I started my food blog. So wait, wait, why, how did, why did you learn how to cook when you were in law? Just because you had to look, learn to cook for yourself, you mean? Yes, but also I was <laughs> miserable. Like I hated law school. I was just like, this is not for me. And I just was like, yeah. I need to do something like, creative get out of this like so I just was in the kitchen and like started like cooking tomato sauce and like smelling it and like tasting it and I was like this is what I want to do so yeah isn't that funny though that like now like back then I remember having that sort of epiphany like when I was I was working in finance and Mm -hmm. and like someone asked me like well if you could do anything I just I was saying like that I was so miserable and and they were like well if you could do anything like what would you want to do and I was like I remember thinking like I want to do something with food Mm. But I was like too embarrassed to say it because it just felt like I, who who's like makes a career in food like it was so not a thing back then. And yeah. Now I feel like I get so many emails from people at like good colleges like <laughs> saying, <laughs> oh, "How yeah. do you break into that world?" Like it's so it's so nice to see. And so, so where did that interest come from though? Like where did it start for you? Um, I 
you know, I've always just loved to eat. I think that's kind of it. My mom, um, you know, she's a hundred percent Italian, but she, and she cooked dinner every single night, even like through law school and, um, you know, every night that she worked, but she wasn't like, she was a shortcut cook. Like she just like used, even though she's a hundred percent Italian, she would use like the, the meatball tenderizer mix from like mm-hmm. the, you know, from whatever aisle, I don't even know where it is. But, um, and so she had, she wasn't like, um, she was a very eighties cook, you know, she just loved yeah. like, you know, um, shortcut cooking. And so I, I mean, I kind of learned when I moved in with my husband and we just had to cook for ourselves. And, um, and then I got a job at a magazine at real simple. Like that was my first big magazine job Got it. and they needed like a word person in the food department. And I was like, I like food. I, I can do that. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I, just learned I you know and there were like the food people in the food department were, were not to be confused with me it was like a word <laughs> person right. and so I always was like I can't do that but I can write about it. like I can't develop a recipe but I can write about it and then you know the more I was around um that department the more I realized like oh I could actually do this it's not that hard and and I love it and then and then I just like once I started writing about it it just felt right like I don't mm-hmm. know I'm sure you felt the same way but like I just remember like you know, I, I had the same kind of job at the next magazine I was at and I would wake up in the middle of the night and like, just think about the story I was editing and be like, I couldn't wait to get to work, to work on it. And it was like the first time that had ever happened to me. And, Mm -hmm. and so I just kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do somehow, but I did not imagine any of this would happen, but. Well, how did you, I'm curious because like the words part of it and the food Mm -hmm. part of it, I feel like you have a style in both your language and how you write about food and also that your food itself has a style and, you know, they both, well, they have a voice to them that I think, I think that's what you have to have, honestly, like, you know, it's like when people write you or write me and they were like, how do I break into food? It's like, well, it helps to have a singular voice, but it's not something you can choose to have, but I'm curious, how did you, how do you think you developed your individual style as a cook and as a writer? I mean, I, you know, I, I think in my magazine training helped a lot because just as I was saying, like I wasn't the one coming up with the, you know, like quick chicken recipes, but I was the one who was saying like, you know what, like we need um, all these busy moms, like need, um, need quick wheat night recipes. And so Mm -hmm. like, I would come up with the idea, like for some package, like let's hear from this mom and what she makes and let's have a tip from this chef who's also a mom. And like, you know, so I would like have to kind of think about the story from all these different angles. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know if you've ever worked in magazines, but like packaging was like a big thing, like how you make right. these packages. And like, I would, I loved working on packages, whether it was like food or travel or whatever. Um, and I think that really trained my brain to kind of think in a certain way. Um, so maybe when you say, when you were so nice to say that I was like up to speed right away, like with the <laughs> blogging, it felt like I had so much training just like as a writer uh-huh. already that it didn't, you know, even though, as I said, I can hardly read those without cringing, but like I, <laughs> I had a confidence about it, like about idea generating, I think that was half the battle. So, so how, how old were your kids when you started your blog? Were they all around at that time? Six, six and eight. Six and eight. So I'm curious, like in terms of because I feel when I think about your blog and I think about your newsletter, I feel like there's snippets of your life, like you're sharing things about like what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, I'm sure, and I've done this too, it's like you have your boundaries of how yeah. much you're sharing. But I'm curious as a mother, uh, how did you handle that all, the, all, through, all through the years as your kids were growing up and you wrote about like them yeah, perhaps? I mean, when they were little, I thought about it a lot. And 
um, it was Deb Perlman who I like I read in an interview once like who was asked that same question and she said you can write a lot without writing everything mm -hmm. you know and I always think about that it was such a good way to uh, model my writing on like I, I basically in the beginning I never really showed their faces I would always kind of cut it off at like the mouth or whatever or to show their hands or their dresses or whatever um or their soccer uniforms um just to give it like that context of family but I wouldn't just like do a full-on I don't know why it was like because you know we all have our weird lines in the sand but um that made me feel better for whatever reason and then um and yeah like I wrote about them I wrote like little stories, but I just didn't like there were certain things like that feeding tube story that I just told you. Mm -hmm. I didn't write about that um, because I just felt like I wasn't sure would Abby want me to tell that story. Mm -hmm. I felt like maybe that's a story she would want to tell someday. I don't know. I just didn't feel like I just felt like that crossed the line. There were certain mm -hmm. personal things across the line. And that gets you in trouble because like what ends up happening is like people would always say to me like, oh, my God, you have this like perfect life. Like everything is so great. And it's because like a lot of the stuff that's hard to that you're dealing with, you don't feel comfortable sharing with complete strangers. And so mm -hmm. it, I I would from time to time kind of try to say that to people, but it never really some, you know, there are still people who are like, you're struggling with that. Like, tell me more about that. Like, I don't know what that looks like. Tell me, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm a, a mother, like, obviously, like, there's a lot of problems all the time in my house, but um anyways i can't remember i'm going i'm going no that's there. that really yeah. resonates uh -huh. for me too because it's like you know craig and i've been <coughs> together for 15 years and we had our wedding and we i put it on my blog like pictures of our wedding and it's like yeah. you know you I, I in a similar way it's like i don't i'm not writing on my blog about like huge fights that we have or like you know he yeah, jumps right? out of a moving car and runs down the street not that that's happened but some people have, do and <laughs> yeah. i appreciate it you know yeah. like i think you want that because it's honest obviously yeah i mean i'll write about our fights but like when it gets there's certain things though that i don't write about and it's a similar thing to you it's like you choose those boundaries but I'm curious for you because yeah. it's like with Craig like he's aware mostly of like what I'm doing like if I'm like I'm gonna write about blah 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 he's like okay great but like yeah. with your kids when they were too young to know like at what yeah. point at what point did they become cognizant of your blog and and your and what you were doing I'll, I'll tell you the exact moment was when I became verified on Instagram <laughs> Then they were like, you have a blue check. And like, it was like the, the the best thing that I could ever have as a mother of teenagers. And then suddenly they were like, tag me on Instagram. I love <laughs> That's hilarious. So I, I didn't do that. Don't worry. But, um, but yeah, they, we did cross over to a point where I basically just said, um, let um I would make if I was writing about them in any kind of a personal way like there's two chapters in the last book that I wrote that were like kind of essays about their personalities which was the first time that I'd ever done that and I made them read it just to make sure they were okay and then I would always ask them to read things that I was putting on the blog even just like the stuff that was kind of harmless I just you never know because like especially with just teenagers like you just don't know what's gonna trigger them and um I just wanted to be on the safe side so um, and, and have they started writing on like their Instagrams about food? Like are either or any of yeah. them like doing like, the same thing that you do? Um, Abby, the one who would like make the elaborate lunches, um, she doesn't really post on Instagram, but she has a very robust Visco feed. Do you know what Visco is? The, I'm too um... old to know what that is. No. <laughs> it's just basically Instagram, but with like filters and no um captions and people can't comment so it's this like very aesthetic thing uh, all the like most teenage girls like have you 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 would start noticing it in people's like instagram profiles they have it's like kind of more of an unfiltered um anyway i'm going off track <laughs> no no I, i'm gonna download it when we're done so i can be cooler <laughs> and younger <Yeah. laughs> um i'm sure like 
as I say this, it's probably like not even like cool anymore. But um, but yeah, Abby would post a lot of her lunches on that, which was kind of fun. And sometimes she'll post things on her stories, but no, it never makes the grid. I don't think not the food. What was I going to ask you? Oh yeah, your father. So we talked about your mother. She's mm -hmm. amazing. She's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned your father. So was he into food? Was he a cook? Was he into restaurants? No, but he's an unbelievably enthusiastic eater. He um he's like a great um like he grew up in the Bronx um like in a very Jewish family mm -hmm. and um just really loved like the rituals around food and um loves beautiful breads and babka and you know dessert and he's just like your classic like new yorker and um and he well he's all he's the one who kind of taught me like wherever he goes he has a little i'm sure you're like this too but he has like a desk like a food destination in every corner of the world so mm -hmm. you know he'll be like oh like we're in grand central let's get those those um marzipan chocolates like oh we're downtown let's get you know that that um, baklava from the mark that Middle Eastern market. You know, he just like has these little touch points all over his world. It's funny. Um, have you, ever, exactly have you like written about that or like done a post about like all his places? I feel like I would I would read that and be excited. That's interesting. And I'm I think I have like sort of here and there. And I don't think I've fully dedicated an essay to that topic, but yeah, but yeah, I should. You're right. Well, it's yeah. funny. So like you have Jewish and you have Italian, and it's funny because those two cultures. I'm Jewish, but mm -hmm. like I think there's a real like kinship between those two cultures in yeah. terms of like food and like larger than life personalities and stuff totally but in terms of like the influence on you do you feel in in the kitchen that that mm -hmm. you're more of an Italian cook that you're more of a Jewish cook or is it just a mix of the two or, or I don't know it's I, I wish that I was one or the other like that's always my regret that I don't have like like a real cultural I mean I guess I would if I had to pick one I would pick Italian like mm -hmm. I mean I can cook almost like everything you know, but I'm like, I'm following like Marcella Hazan's Italian cookbook, like not my mom's like great grandmother's tomato sauce, you know, but um, right. so it's weird. Like I might as, I, I don't know if that's necessarily me being Italian or me just, you know, knowing what authentic Italian cuisine is, you know, but I think um, there's some like crossover, like in terms, of, I just think of like sweet and sour flavors and certain like cabbage, like stuffed cabbage. I feel like I've yeah. seen like Lydia Bastianich make that with like pork, but like in yep. obviously yep. in Jewish culture, you have that. So I feel like, yeah, there's, and obviously there's Jewish Italians too. So uh -huh. anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm getting them. off topic. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, we what call do you them, call them? Um, pizza bagels in our house. <laughs> I'm a pizza bagel. There are a lot of pizza bagels around if you just start asking. <laughs> pizza bagel. That's really funny. That's like, yeah. I heard like a Catholic Jewish person is a cashew. It took me a second. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> um, wait, I, did, so I, I meant to ask you earlier uh, about meeting your husband. You, you <laughs> mentioned that, but how did you guys meet each other? We met in college. Um, in 1993 okay <laughs> um yeah we were just like it was a small college and everyone knew everyone and um, where did you go to college uh amherst college in, oh great okay. uh, western massachusetts um yeah small and um and we met i was a senior he was um yeah we just met um we just i don't even remember like the moment when we met we just were sort of always aware of each other but yeah we started dating officially like in my senior year right in the beginning and then in terms of the food of it all, like, and you mentioned that like gradually, like you started cooking, but like when you started dating was food important right away? Yes. Um, we both love to go out to dinner um, on our limited student budgets, but there was one place um, in a town called Belchertown near Amherst that was, um, I don't think it's still there. It was called Seasons and they had the best brunch. And we used to like, 
just put that on the calendar for like weeks out and be like, we're going to go to seasons. And like if parents, <laughs> if parents were in town, they would take us to seasons. And we actually took pictures of our food in like, which is so funny to me now. Like the pictures are, you, I still have them. They're so bad, but just the idea, <laughs> like back then people thought that was so crazy that we would take pictures of our food. Little, little did I know that was what I would be doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> did your, did your kids um, wonder about it when you were, when they were growing up, if you would take pictures of food, like, did they think that was weird or did they just think that was just normal life? Um, I, you would have to ask them. I think they probably, th- I mean, there were definitely times when they were like, just, can we eat dinner? Like when I had to like get the shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think they probably are just, they were probably just used to it at a certain point. Well, I'm going to let you off the hook now psychologically for a second, because I feel like I've been really probing. You've been a good That was sport. easy. I like that. Oh, really? oh, you liked it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to ask you a little bit more about your process because we uh-huh. talked about like your day-to-day life, but you know, I'm sitting here with this gorgeous cookbook, a number mm-hmm. three New York Times bestseller. And I'm wondering, like, can you talk to us about your process of writing a cookbook? Because you've written a few and I'm curious how you go about it. Yeah. I mean, they've all been a little bit different, but um, this one, you know, I mean, my first book was Dinner Love Story, which was... Um, it followed the, I, I've been keeping a dinner diary since 1998, where I write down every single dinner that I eat. Um, and so when, by the time I wrote Dinner Love Story, it was 2010, I had been doing it for like 12 years. And, um, and so that was the easiest cookbook I'd ever planned. Cause I was like, which recipes are coming up over and over, which ones mm-hmm. are, am I having success with and how do I adapt them so that they're, you know, so that they're easier or they're more, updated or fresh or whatever and so and then I wrote that book like a diary so it was like just going through the different phases of my life as a cook you know when I was just first um, married and then when we had kids and then or like to the two phases of having kids like babies when they're you just like everything just blows up and then you know normal like six and eight year olds who can sit at a table and have a conversation so Mm-hmm. That was really easy to write because like I just had the outline before I, you know, just instantly. And coming um, from the magazine world, I mean, did mm-hmm. you have a sense of how you wanted it to be designed and what you wanted it to look like when you wrote that first book? Um, strangely, no. I don't know why. Um, I was much more concerned about the writing than the design. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was um, and then also like I thought it was interesting that the person who ended up, the editor who acquired the book, um, her name is Lee Boudreaux. She's um, an amazing fiction editor and she's known for her novels. And um, and she's, a, I love her to death, but she was not a cookbook editor. And so like, we just focus so much on the stories and the words. And it's why the that book is like my favorite because it's so much of my heart is in it. And the food is like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, you can make those, that like pork ragu, that's fine. But like, here's the real story behind the pork yeah. ragu. Like, it, so it felt like the food was like kind of secondary, which, um, which worked for that. But then I think like for a book like this that I just came out with, like it was completely different process and, and goal, like, which is like when I signed up, when I was, when I pitched this book, I wasn't actually hundred percent sure that I could do it. Like, because it was the beginning of my experimental phase. And I was like, I, I my kids don't eat eggs. Like they're mm-hmm. barely touching tofu. I don't think I can do this. And so in that way, it was like, but if it, it worked in its own way, because it was like, I learned so much about working through those issues and it's kind of like a book in real time. Um, and, and I just, 
you know, there's nothing like figuring it out on the fly. And it just, it's just now, of course, like as soon as I press like send on the manuscript, I have like all these new recipes that I'm like, oh, I should have put that in that. <laughs> That'll so, be the next um, book, the sequel. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm yeah, curious so, as, a, as a writer, because like you talked about, I mean, as you're talking and as I'm learning more about you, I really do get a sense <laughs> that writing is the anchor for you. I mean, that's what you're, you're, you're passionate about food and, and you love cooking <laughs> and food, but writing really feels like what you're, true passion is or your, your true art is I guess in a way like that the language of it or I mean even your, the way you started yeah. your career was the words like you know doing yeah, the words yeah. so. I mean but like I'm sure you would agree with me that like I love writing but I also detest it like it's like yeah. torture for me and I can't believe that I do it for a living just based on how much I put it off procrastinate <laughs> but um but yeah, gonna, yeah. I mean, yeah I don't oh. know I just I feel like it took me a long time like in college I was um, an English major and I was like taught to write in a certain a very academic way and then I spent like the next like 10 years kind of unlearning that in magazines because magazines were all about just like this flow and conversational um, tone and and again like I, I kind of feel like magazines were they trained me well for this kind of writing you know service writing and I'm curious like for me because I, I love to write too and I think we're similar in that way one of the frustrating things I wrote a cookbook and like, and I wrote all these head notes but, and, and it was hard for me to think like I spent so much time writing these head notes and, and then like literally labored over them. And there's a very good chance, like 80% of the people who read this book will flip through it and like maybe read like just a couple of them. I don't think so. Oh, you don't think so? so. You think they really read it? I think if they're buying a book, they want your perspective. Like as Mm -hmm. you were saying before, like if they want a recipe, they can just Google the recipe online, you know, but if they want one person's perspective on how he cooks, they, I think those head notes, like, especially just like with this book, I, I meant to say that my I have a different publisher and a different editor with this book, Raquel Pelzel at Clarkson Potter, who's just like a cookbook master. Like she just knows how to make a cookbook. And so she was just a totally different experience than working with Lee, you know, and they were both wonderful in their own ways, you know, they, and, and so it's just a totally different, mm-hmm. she was like, she made me work so hard on those head notes, you know, cause like I was just used to being like, oh, this is like, um, you know, my kids, we went to Chipotle and we loved <laughs> smoked beans. And she's like, no, no, no. I want like the technique. I want, you know, like you have to tell me like, what is it? How do you, what are the smells to make the reader know that this is done and, or that the, you know, that the, this is cooked or like, what, what should you be, um, what visual cues should be, should hmm. you be looking for? Like she would just came at it from a totally like More culinary like practical. It sounds yeah. Like. yeah. And it makes such a difference. Like the way you read a recipe, like I'm just, you know, just like what we were talking about before, like, I'm just like, well, a couple glugs of this and that. And she was just like, really, um, she made me like, just very disciplined about it, which I, which I think makes, you know, a huge difference. This is a real cookbook, you know, but, but to the, but to our- to make an argument for the other way too, like I, I do feel the recipes that I love the most are the ones that have great stories around them. Yeah, you know, something like I like one of my favorite recipes of all time is um, from Amanda Hester's book, Cooking for Mr. Latte, and yeah. it's her mother-in-law's almond cake. Yeah, and uh, and it's just like sour cream and almond paste and stuff. And it's like if I had just read that online, to your point, like I would have just been like, okay, that looks fine. But like having right. read it in that book and then having made it so yeah. much in my life and written about, it, like I feel like it takes on so much more yeah. meaning. Too. Twenty years later, you're still talking about it. You know, yeah. like it's amazing. Um, yeah. Wait, I was just gonna tell you something. I thought I lost my train of thought. Uh, okay. That's so is there a, is there like a recipe in all of your work or like certain recipes that you feel like are your signature recipes or the ones you want to be remembered for? 
Uh, I mean, right now, the answer to that question is they're all like meat-based, which is funny. I think the sure. most famous recipe that we've ever, I say we because it was really my husband who came up with it, was um, the pork ragu, um, where you just, he wrote a post. This is back when he used to guest post for me on Dinner mm -hmm. Love Story. It was the greatest. And he would like, he called it instant dinner party. And it was about how we used to entertain when the kids were little. Like we would just... <coughs> braise a pork shoulder all day and then mm -hmm. it would just like melt off the bone and create you add tomatoes and it's this unbelievable easy flavorful sauce and then when the guests arrive you just make the pasta and it's just like all very easy and make ahead and memorably delicious and so um it just somehow took off I think because I also kind of made it the star of dinner a love story like it had a big centerfold and it was like I just referred to it so many times that I think the marketing of the dish was like really <laughs> good yeah. so um so that's like it's by far like my most popular recipe I would say but like what I would like to be remembered for is so that's such a hard question. I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you know what that is for you? Is that no, like not the... at all. And I mean, as I ask it, I realize it's not so much about a recipe as it is like the, the work and like yeah. getting people excited about food and like just getting people into the kitchen. Like, I you know it's, it's, a, it's about sharing that enthusiasm, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, well, but, I know what I was going to say to you before. Yeah. Sorry. This but, is sort of related, but like just about like perspective and head notes and your stories. Like, don't you feel like every couple months someone is on Twitter saying like, okay, food bloggers, enough with the story. And we don't need to hear all your memories of your <laughs> grandparents in yes. France. And like the, and then, and then like everyone is like chiming in like, amen, like, what are they doing? <laughs> and like, and then there's always like the food blogger uh -huh. like, who comes in and is like saying what I just told you about perspective. And it's so <laughs> funny. So like, I don't know what the answer is, like who wants what and who's, I, I, think I, like, I have like some thoughts about that. Cause I think when I was, because I'm working on a book right now, and like when I was, as, as I've been researching it, I'll Google like chocolate chip cookie recipe or something just to read what's out there. And I yeah. think a lot of like second or third generation food bloggers kind of fill the front matter of their posts with like meaningless copy. Like it's yeah. like they're, they're trying to mimic like what the older generation of food bloggers was doing. And so I, I actually advocate skipping those head notes because yeah. it's like this yeah, person yeah. Doesn't, isn't even writing. But if you're a great writer, like you are, or Deb or David Leibovitz or any, any of these people, absolutely. It's like, you're, you're robbing yourself not to read this great essay that puts it in context. Yeah, so that's my thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Jenny, we're not quite at the end yet. We're, we're almost there. And I start every podcast by asking, what did you have for lunch? But I ask, I end every podcast by asking, what are you having for dinner tonight? Oh my God. Um, I don't actually know yet. Do you believe that? Um, I think it's going to be something with eggs <laughs> believe okay. it or not. um there's like there's a recipe in this book for migas tacos that's mm -hmm. like we tried to replicate them from this place like this amazing place in austin um what's that place called yeah, it's like, like i've been there um veracruz okay i haven't been there i've been somewhere yeah. with in austin for yeah. amazing migas so that's where um, i first had it yeah it's i don't even know why why is migas so good it's like it's just adding like corn tortillas like crushed to eggs and then with jalapenos um and yet somehow it's just like it makes you know I could eat scrambled eggs every day of my life but for dinner I just feel like I should <coughs> excuse me I should just kind of up my game a little bit and mm -hmm. somehow that if you put it in a corn tortilla with um you know like a fresh salsa and some avocados it's so good and I, we did it like a month ago when both the girls were out because you know they eggs and um <laughs> and we were like we're gonna make this all the time when they leave and so tonight I was thinking I think I have everything I need for that so I'll probably do that and that takes so little time I mean 
like all the recipes in this book, but, but that one really doesn't take a lot. That sounds delicious. So I'm curious, like with your kids and eggs, like, was there a period where you tried to get them into eggs and they just resisted? Yeah. My older one, Phoebe, she'll, she'll tolerate an egg now. Like I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but like, she'll eat a frittata if there's like, if it's potato heavy and she's Mm -hmm. starving, you know, but like, she will never ask for it or like recommend it if someone's like what should we have for dinner they neither of them whatever and my other one is just like she, I, she can't even be in the same house when i'm like hard boiling an egg it's so it smells yeah i mean yeah. i can see that it's also like i could i could also imagine it's a texture thing like soft yeah. scrambled eggs I'm yeah sure i get it yeah, can yeah. Be kind of snotty and gross. Um, yeah, my other sure. question for you are almost done. Don't worry, you're, you're almost out of I'm here. I'm fine. I'm having a great time. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Uh-huh. Um, I was, I was going to ask you about shopping. You know, because you just mentioned like you have that stuff to make migas. So when you go mm-hmm. food shopping, do you do like one big trip to the grocery store? Do you do lots of trips like throughout the week? What does it look like for it you? It used to be one big shop, and now. Now it's a lot of little ones um, just because we're home all the time. So it's just so easy to pop out. Like before, I just felt like organization was so key to making this whole thing work. And like, because I would come home from work at like, you know, or, you know, just not like super late, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to just like pop out and, you know, I wouldn't think about dinner for starters. Like all now I do all day. I just think about dinner, like Mm -hmm. starting from like, you know, 10 o'clock. I'm like, what should we do? And and then like it's a constant conversation and you know so so yeah i mean i don't know i think it's important to to shop for food just like do a big shop and be covered but mm-hmm. you know i think also just like with the kids leaving that's another thing that's just going to kind of go out the window because like we don't have to just always have just like you know mountains of food for them to inhale um well, so. it makes me think about like living, like eating for your or cooking for yourself versus cooking for your family. Because I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, when my husband goes out of town for work, I my cooking changes completely. Like I'll cook something that he would like re, but rice and beans, for example. Like I yeah. love making delicious rice and beans for dinner, and he'll eat it, but it's not like his favorite. So yeah. like if he's gone, I'll make that. But I'm, I think for you and your husband, it's got to be really mm-hmm. interesting to see like what you make just for you guys. That no. you would, besides mm-hmm. eggs, like what other stuff will come up, you yeah. know. We'll, we'll report back on that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, we have also like had a lot of, it's not like the kids, I mean, they're teenagers, so they weren't home every single night anyway. So we've had practice with it. It's not going to be like as dramatic as I'm making it out to be, but yeah. um, we'll probably go out to dinner a lot more too, because like we just, it's, you know, I was just listening to another podcast with Kelly Corrigan. She was interviewing Susan Orlean and they were talking about empty nesting. And they said like, one of the surprising things was that thing like, they were amazed by how many performative things you do as a parent when there are kids in the house. Like, Mm -hmm. and Susan was like, once my kid was out of the house, I just was, I thought I was going to be doing all these adult things, but I really just ended up eating cereal, like on the couch (laughs) and watching TV for dinner. So like, there is part of me that totally gets that and feels like, Oh, you know, we might do that too. So yeah, you get to be a kid yourself. That's great. Yeah. Um, Well, Jenny, this was so lovely Mm -hmm. and I'm so excited um, for this book. I'm going to, I think the recipe I'm going to make first is the tofu with the peanut sauce and the broccoli. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That called out to me. Yeah. That sounds great. But thank you um, for doing this podcast and it's great to finally meet you. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you and I'm so honored you asked. So, so thank you. Yeah, well, if you're ever in LA, let me know and uh, and uh, have a great fall. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, see you later. Bye.